0: Welcome to episode 31 of the Pork and Feed the Birds, where I, Tom Tanakey, your host, record this, as I do with every episode, on unceded Indigenous lands, and in which I begin every episode by reminding you and myself that it always was and it always will be Aboriginal land. And of course, I pay my respects and shout out to elders and community the lands that I recorded on. May Day coming up on Saturday, I won't be with you then, so happy May Day. May the 1st, 1886, part of a strike demanding an eight-hour day, which apparently involved about 400,000, almost half a million workers in Chicago. If you think about the population and the numbers for that time, that is a phenomenal amount of workers. After the conflict that happened between protesters and police on that day um, several anarchists were locked up and indeed four Chicago anarchists were executed by the state of Chicago. The state seemed to hope that their deaths would also be the death of the anarchist idea. and not only was that not the case because of course we're still here today but so is May Day. you know it was events like that that helped to enshrine uh the 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 day in struggle for workers rights which never ends and and we still celebrate it to today so so despite all of the moves made to both erode workers rights undermine the legacy of of union and workers' rights and and to erase people's memories. I hope you do. Even if it's for the first time, think about heading out to one of the the, uh, rallies that that still get held all around the world to commemorate May Day. That's May the 1st. Um, Just to let all of you know, my Facebook page is banned for the next month, so I will not be advertising, obviously, this episode through, through there, if you're finding this, and it's certainly out through fucking Facebook, um, so thank you for seeking me out rather proactively, um, I'll get back to that in a moment, but what we're doing in this episode is we're staying with the theme, began last episode of, of, of refugee rights and, and activism, on May the 8th in Victoria, Campaign against racism and fascism will be holding a rally um, uh, uh, in in honor of refugee rights, and and I will be speaking this episode to Omar from Carf about that subject uh, and about the fight to to liberate refugees from from. Unfair detention, including hotel detention, and of course, uh, you know, if you've been following the, the the situation with the KP120 since my last episode when I spoke to Sam Watson from RSM, you will know that in a very snap decision, the rally that I was encouraging and Sam was encouraging everyone to go to uh, uh, to commemorate the one year of RSM uh, agitating for refugee rights and for the liberation of people seeking asylum from hotel detention they made a snap move to r- remove those refugees from kangaroo point detention and they relocated them to victoria so that fight is now in the hand of victorian activists and and, and so it's a very important time to be talking to to calf about their May 8 rally and i do hope you'll all attend um uh, now, I, again, you know, I, I'd said before that I'm not going to be on Facebook for some time. That's fine. If you've heard me say anything about this subject, you know I don't give a fuck anymore. For me, you know, my Facebook page is a completely expendable asset. You know, I I have platforms on on all the other big major uh, social media channels of course patreon as well this podcast you know i've i found out content all the time um i will survive and we will stay in touch with each other and i also just you know this it's so unpracticeable to continue on facebook with their policy um that, that, you know, I, I, I long ago considered that the page is something going to be something that I'm inevitably going to lose for reasons that I cannot control at some point in the near future, so I just continue along my merry way and, and you know, I'll experience periodic one-month bans until that happens. So who gives a shit, you know? The most boring fucking subject in the world, my friends, my comrades, is to talk and to whinge about how you got your fucking comment or your post bans. If there's one conversation I hope I never have to hear again, it's other people going, I can't believe that I had my thing removed. This is so unfair. Look at the other side of this insert debate here. They always get their posts. They stay up. I can never get my reports accepted. But when it happens to me, I always get my posts and comments removed. What's going on here? I don't want to hear that conversation again in my life, so I'm not about to do that to you. Yeah. Okay. But what I, I am saying to you is that these bans invariably happen when I talk about um, the the current context or the history. Um or a bit of both of neo-Nazism and, and and it's a very relevant history because you, of course, have militant neo-Nazis organising very adeptly in Victoria right now. And it was me sharing with commentary, might I add, the uh, Anzac Day posting of the National Socialist Network that led to, to me getting banned. And it's not the first time I've, I've, I've lost... Uh, uh, my 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 ability to post for some time because of talking about, um, and I, I just have to remind everyone that that posting about these people is not something I take lightly um, because of course you will have seen me if you read my 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 periodic articles fortnightly in Independent Australia you will know that I I believe that yes of course it's important to talk about them but you also have to be careful that you're not doing so in a way that that provides them with promotion or, or you know something that can be used by them or that it empowers them so I tend to provide mockery uh, where I can uh, where it's appropriate and and or analysis and free of that um, you really are running the risk of just promoting the group. And indeed, as, as anyone saw, you know, last episode, I, I referenced a little bit of the National Socialist Network's uh, leaked manual and, you know, it talked about media baiting, so you recall, might recall me talking about that. They rely on people talking about them uh, in a negative way in the press to reach audiences that they cannot otherwise reach. So if I'm going to talk about them, then I'm probably going to be providing you with some insight on them that they don't want me to provide or otherwise taking the piss. Um, And without that, you have something that commentators like Davir Abramovich of the Anti-Defamation Commission do. And he's been whitelisted by someone at Facebook due to contacts that he's had. It's very frustrating that because um, he's been whitelisted to post up the kind of content that the rest of us cannot, while still being one of the worst examples of everything that I'm talking about in terms of things you should not do. He really just provides a dear diary, whitelisted for Facebook shares, of National Socialist Network material on one of the biggest social media platforms and that's exactly what they want him to do. And of course, they have a hyper fixation on people like him because he's a Jewish person with a, a role in talking about you know, banning terrorists, you know, prescribing neo-Nazis as terrorist groups and what have you. So they don't like him. They're destined to not like him. This is their entire conspiracy theorist uh, uh, hate platform is to obsess over people like Davira Abramovich. But nevertheless, um, they do gain uh, true north through his constant sharing of their material. And they do also gain a foothold in Facebook due to him, which I thought they were not supposed to have. I go back to the thing that it's not only Devere's uh, responsibility or my responsibility, but everyone's responsibility to be careful in the way that they talk about these people. Um, and to be careful when sharing that one sticker that you see on a light pole there. Because after all, when you see that sticker on the light pole, Um, Only you and everyone else in real life, until you take it off of course, can see it. But when you share it to all your friends or your public audience online, along with a post going, stay safe guys, there's Nazis out there. Well, suddenly, all of the internet becomes an audience. And I just want to remind you that that's very important. I know that Facebook don't realize that, but Facebook's business isn't really our business. Facebook's business is in uh, uh, maintaining a leaky boat Of an enormous platform where they receive millions of reports every day that they cannot possibly take seriously. We can't really expect them to police this situation for us. In fact, the only thing that should be happening as regards social media is that government should be regulating it. But what we can do is be very careful to avoid the kind of content or posting it online that accidentally does exactly what neo-Nazis want us to do. Otherwise, Remember, without us helping them, they're only stuck on very small platforms like Telegram. So it's important to remember that when we might be unwittingly helping them. And of course, you're always welcome to reach out to me in private. Um, I take contact like that all the time from people, wondering what it is that they should do or say because they've encountered this or that. thing. I'm always ecstatic to have those conversations. It's just that I can't fucking have them on Facebook because I've been fucking banned. Oh, well. No, actually, you can message me still. I can talk to you. I just can't host. How boring. Who gives a shit? Let's get stuck into the chat with Omar. Um, Hope to see you all at the May 8th protest. Hope you look into where protests are happening or rallies are happening around Australia for May 1st, May Day. All right, I'm speaking to Omar from Campaign Against Racism and Fascism. Omar, thanks so much for taking time out to speak to me, mate.
1: No, thanks for talking about this important topic, Tom. I appreciate it,
0: and 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 of course, I appreciate the the importance of the topic at hand as well, which is the uh, the the reason for the upcoming calf rally on May the 8th. Tell me about the rally, I'm at.
1: Basically, the demands of this rally are that every single refugee in detention be freed immediately. Um, unfortunately, in this country, we have a long history of locking up asylum seekers and refugees, that is, people who've been deemed to be uh, worthy of um, uh, the status of being officially called refugees. Uh, we want every single one of those to be free. Um, we want all detention centres to be closed um, permanently and a reinstatement of community processing. We want all the refugees who are currently um, in detention and outside of detention because there are thousands of asylum seekers and refugees um, in the community on these appalling temporary visas that give them very, very few rights. We want all those people to be given full mm. citizenship rights um, uh, with access to education, healthcare, jobs, um, welfare, etc. Um, and, uh, and more than that, we... We think that refugees in our country actually need extra support. These people have been, you know, tortured and abused in various ways for many years. Um, the ones in Park Hotel, you know, up to eight years or more of detention, uh, they're going to need um, special support. So they're the demands of the of the rally on May the 8th. Um, yeah. The the rally itself is um, spearheaded yeah. by calf but... We're collaborating with a range of groups, including the Tamil Refugee Council, the Greens, and Adam Ban, um, the Muslim Justice Collective, the Daily Protesters, um, and, and we're still reaching out um, to get um, all sorts of individuals and groups on board as we speak. Um, so we're hoping for a good turnout. Um, there's a lot to fight for, and we want to be we want to be there as long as, as long as the issue requires it. Tell me about
0: the situation of people, if you can, on temporary visas throughout the course of the pandemic, because of course, you know, and we touched on this a little bit last week when I spoke to Refugee Solidarity engine the The conditions that people faced in hotel detention dwindled drastically, of course, you know, with the issues that totally. the pandemic seemed to exacerbate for anyone facing societal issues as it was. You know, suddenly there weren't these protections in place that the rest of us had come to expect in terms of pandemic protection, you know, like, like, like sanitization, hygiene and so on and so forth. But, you know, I, I can only imagine that the troubles... that that people on temporary visas, in terms of their lack of access to 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 welfare or to benefits or what have you, might might have faced yeah absolutely over the course I mean, of the past year. Uh,
1: you know, these people have been living on the on the sort of margins of Australian society for a very long time, um, uh, but in the pandemic that was really exacerbated. Mm. Um, like um, many international students and and others. Um, these people, you know, have very yeah. little rights um, and, and support services in, in our country. Um, but unlike many other groups, um, uh, they uh, are not here sort of uh, with, with any financial support of their own. Um, they don't necessarily have communities um, uh, at home, uh, back in their home countries that can afford to send the money here. And so uh, they're basically totally, they've been totally reliant on the charity um, provided uh, by various um, support groups out there, um, like RISE, ASRC, and so on, um, uh, and uh, and just members of the community. Uh, many, of, of course, of these people come from um, countries uh, like Afghanistan, uh, Iran, um, and so on. Um, they come here with – not most of them don't have their families here, but they do have people they know. Yeah. And so, unfortunately, they've just been – uh, you know basically relying on the charity of their communities to survive through these difficult times which you know if, if you if you know about these communities they're obviously uh, some of the most you know oppressed and and socioeconomically um, bad bad off kind of parts of parts of our community mm. for, for various reasons including racism and so on so mm. to be given mm. to be adding more burdens onto these kind of mm. uh, parts of our society rather than uh, alleviating those burdens and supporting the people who need support is just Another example of how the pandemic has really, you know, made the class and racial and gender divisions of our society even more um, apparent and, and extreme than they were before.
0: And, of course, you also mentioned people in hotel detention. Uh, those who listen to my podcast last episode will, um, you know, or those who have been paying any attention over the past 18 months will be aware of it uh, uh, in, in the case of Brisbane, those who were at the time of my last episode in Kangaroo Point. Um, but, you know, maybe perhaps people from interstate or outside of Victoria may know less about those in Park Hotel in Victoria. Can you tell us about the fight in Victoria to liberate people seeking asylum who've been interned in that hotel accommodation. How have they been? Yeah,
1: well, it's, it's been going for some time now. Um, so from memory, they were moved there um, as part of the Medivac legislation in December. Sorry, they were moved to the Mantra Hotel in Preston. Um, I think in December of 2019, um, off the top of my head, um, and, and the Mantra Hotel, for, for, for your listeners who don't know, it used to be um, a public hospital. It's a huge building, towers over Bell Street, right near um, the corner of, of Plancy Road. Um, and uh, it, it, it's basically a monstrosity. It, it, it looks cheap. Um, it's, it's obviously just a total um, uh, sewer um, socially in terms of the, the services it provides. Um, lots of dodgy stories about it. Nobody in the community wanted it there. Um, it was pr- the, the hospital was ended by Jeff Kennett years ago. Um, now, these men who were in there, we'd you know, we'd planned a campaign initially to start organising around it, um, but the lockdown made that extremely difficult. Um, now, the left was in a very difficult position during the lockdown because, of course, we supported serious public health measures, at least those of us who were sensible, I think, did. Um, but... Uh, we also felt we didn't want to give up our right to protest and, and these people weren't being looked after. So we were sort of torn. Uh, we did what we could. Um, but late last year when the lockdowns were finally ended, um, uh, I think it was a woman called Samira Karimi who initially began daily protests out the front of the Mantra Hotel, um, which was a really inspired decision. Um, and those protests picked up steam um and me and a few of my comrades live quite close to the hotel and we joined in some of the protests and began discussing like how can we support um and then basically uh from about november december last year um we organized demonstrations outside the mantra hotel um, which got quite sizable and then Probably one of the most harrowing experiences of my life was seeing those men moved from the Mantra Hotel to Park Hotel. There'd been many rumours in the days leading up to it, but basically you had, must have been five, six hundred police there from about 6 a.m. in the morning. You had buses being um, prepared. You had horses, right gear, everything deployed. And you had a couple of hundred protesters Doing their best to make it known to these guys that we're on their side and we're going to protest with yeah. them as long as it takes, and they were being driven out of these buses right before our eyes, and I can tell you that everyone was crying, um, because it just felt so, enraging that um, these men, rather than being freed after spending almost a year in, inside the Mantra Hotel, were just being moved to another torture camp, another concentration camp in Melbourne suburbs. We followed the buses and uh, they bizarrely chose to place them in the Park Hotel right in the heart of Carlton. And there's been protests happening uh, there ever since. Um, We've been really pushing uh, Friday night actions, Freedom Fridays we've called them. Um, uh, There's also been a couple of set-piece weekend demos called by ourselves and the Refugee Action Collective and others. Um, and there's been daily protests, been organized um, by a range of individuals, I think, grouped together around Stand Together for Justice, I think is the name of their group. So there's a lot of activity um, happening and it's important to, to keep it going because a few mm-hmm. a few weeks ago there was um, what I guess we thought was a victory at the time where a number of re- refugees were released. Unfortunately, it subsequently became apparent that they will all be deported. Um, None of them are being offered residency in Australia, which is a pretty bittersweet type of outcome, to be honest, having protested for these people to be deported. Um, uh, But there's still like 28 guys in there now, so we're going to keep protesting as long as we can until these guys are free.
0: Recently, the remaining... KB120, as we talked about, the people who were formerly up in, in, in Kangaroo Point who were transferred in this snap move from Brisbane to Melbourne. Um... Uh, Can you tell me how they're holding up, uh, if you've been in touch with them? Um, What are the conditions for hotel prisoners in Melbourne like? They were never very good in Brisbane. This was one of the issues that that cropped up and led to the formation of RSM last year was the the terrible conditions that they were facing during the pandemic. How are they in Melbourne? Uh,
1: I don't know enough about the Brisbane conditions, but from reading the news stories and so on, like they had access to balconies and fresh air and, and there were... Um they seem to be closer to the protesters you know sort of visually and psychologically than possibly here in Melbourne, as far as I'm aware, well, I know that there's you know the windows are all tinted um, uh they, the windows don't even open um, uh there's, there's I think there's no access to to fresh air at all um it's pretty miserable the, You can imagine the guys in kangaroo Point I mean, they were moved in the middle of the night, they were working at four a m handcuffed. Phones confiscated. Had no idea where they were going. For all they knew, they were going to bloody Nauru or something. So, I think these guys would be feeling pretty depressed and powerless. They've had, you know, years of being shunted around from hellhole to hellhole with no agency, no input, no endpoint, no freedom. Um, So I think they're struggling. Um, The first reports I heard were that they were being crammed into the same rooms as the other guys. Um, the existing um, 11, I think. Um, I don't know if that's still the case, but, um, you know, that's given that the whole hotel, I'm pretty sure the whole level of the hotel is empty. There's no reason why that would be the case, apart from just further admiseration. I guess the one positive point um, of of the week was that last Monday, so not yesterday, the week before, um, there was a snap action um, organised by a range of groups again, with calf Plank And we got, I think, more than 200 people there with a couple of hours' notice, which I think shows that there are people in Melbourne who want to mobilise, but we're going to need more of it. I have to, I have to be blunt. Um, the government's shown they're prepared to write this out and, and play politics with these guys' lives. So I, I think we're going to keep, need to keep mobilising. Um, but that, that was a positive indication to me. I don't know if you were down there last Monday, but it was a good feeling. It was a feeling of determination as well as anger.
0: Can I ask, have you been facing uh, particularly of late uh, brutality from VicPol in, in, in terms of, you know, for example, when the 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 people were moved from one hotel to the other, was was there a lot of brutality? Because there certainly was up in Brisbane very recently when they moved them out uh, and transferred them down to Melbourne. Have VicPol been brutal with protesters? Uh,
1: they've certainly been anti-democratic. There's been numerous attempts where they've tried to stop us marching, stop us... Um, Uh, you know, even just taking the road. Um, People were given uh, what I believe were formal warnings simply for obstructing traffic. Um, uh, On the day of the um, uh, transfer from Mantra to the Park Hotel, uh, there was certainly a lot of pushing and um, uh, the use of police horses. Honestly, Tom, I wouldn't describe it as brutality because I have been at rallies where police have been brutal and I think we should Mm -hmm you know, we should uh, apply a kind of serious analysis and and not cry wolf. So I wouldn't use the phrase brutality towards us. I would use the phrase very concerning encroachments on our right to demonstrate, um, which I think uh, is important to push back against. And in CAF we have a very long and proud um, tradition of not complying with unnecessarily, uh, you know, well, they're never necessary, but when they're particularly egregious attacks on our right to demonstrate and and um, e- particularly um egregious directions from police, we're we're pretty proud of um, defying that where where appropriate. But I think I think the main issue here is the treatment of the refugees. And and I think um Vic Pol are, are sort of slaves to that system. Um but I think we do want to keep the message very strongly on on the behaviour of the Australian government, and to be honest, Dan Andrews—I mean, these guys are in prison in his state at any time. I mean, the police are controlled by him, not by the federal government. At any time, he could insist that the guys be released. Um, he could uh, remove police protection from the from the facility. Um, he could, at the very least, put out a call in the media for these guys to be freed. I mean, there's there's any number of things that the state labor government could do. So, from our perspective, we want to keep targeting the federal Liberal government, um, continue to t- highlight the, the complicity of the Labor Party, both federally and state, um, and, and keep the issue firmly on the plight of these guys.
0: I, I, I want to ask you the same question I asked Sam Watson from Refugee Solidarity Engine last episode. Um, it's been over 20 years now. Why why does our government continue its ideological agenda against people seeking asylum?
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting question, Tom. Um, I, don't think it's, I, don't think it's, I don't think there's a pat answer because I think it's actually changed over time. Um, I think for a while there under Howard, it was really being used as a weapon of mass distraction. You know, like they were trying to create as much fear and panic as possible uh, during the war on terror, um, you know, the Tampa the Tampa scandal, the CivX thing, like it's just just absolute, you know, it was it was hysteria and it was very deliberately and cynically being drummed up um to justify shifting society to the right more broadly um and and kind of normalize this this barbaric treatment of some of the most vulnerable people in our world. Under the Labour Party, I think it was different. I don't think the Labour Party necessarily um you know uh, feel exactly the same way as liberals, I think, but they behave the same way, and in some ways even worse because they're cowards they They refuse to make a political argument about the right of people to seek asylum, they refuse to confront uh right wing media and liberal attacks, and so they just throw these innocent people under the bus, and in some ways, you ask me uh I'll take a sincere racist over a cynical, cowardly go with the flow racist you know. And I think that's what Rad and Gillard did, and so I think that was the situation then. They were just going with it. I think today it's different again. I I think I just think it's one of those issues. I mean, it's similar in a way to uh, the harassment of Indigenous people by police. It, It just goes on because we live in a sick and racist and bureaucratic society where cruelty is absolutely the norm, and there's just so many manifestations of that. And I think. In my opinion, as long as capitalism exists, and you know, we're seeing climate change, we're seeing potential tensions militarily, we're seeing social dislocation. The refugees <clears throat> will keep coming, and those who run our society know that. And they don't want to normalize policy of open borders. They don't want to normalize a policy of humane treatment uh, because they want us fearing each other, and they want us <clears throat> to empower them to enact repression against those who are deemed to be other because they never know who they might want to use it against, you know? So it's a really difficult one. It changes. I think yeah. I think right now, precisely because the government is not seeking to really cynically whip up anti refugee paranoia, I think we actually could win. I think we could liberate these people. Um, but I think it like we just need a bigger movement. I, I have to I have to emphasize that and I really I hope your listeners take it seriously because if we had 5,000 people outside the front of the Park Hotel at any point in the last six months, I think the situation would be different. I just cannot believe it. But unfortunately, as of yet, we haven't quite we haven't reached those those numbers, um, and so I think we haven't made a, a political crisis for the government. I think that's our challenge. That's our task.
0: That's the challenge. The system of redress needs to be through people power, it seems. That's right. Um, in an imperfect world. So you're absolutely right. And not I- absolutely urge any Melbournians listening to this to get along on May the 8th. Let that be only the beginning of you starting to show up because this is the kind of activism that requires consistency and it requires consistent numbers. But let it begin on May the 8th. Uh, Omar, can you please tell me where, when? Tell me about the rally itself. Where should people be going and when? So
1: we're meeting at the State Library on May the 8th um, at 2 o'clock. Um, We're asking everyone to be there. We'll be marching from the State Library, uh, which is a very visible um, location, which is why we're starting there. We're going to be marching from there to the Park Hotel, uh, trying to draw people in uh, to the site of the regular protests. Um, Really ask everyone to come, but more than just being there yourself, um, consider yourself a a de facto organiser of the rally. Um, Bring along a contingent. Bring along workmates, friends, family, um, bring a placard, paint mm-hmm. a sign, um, bring some passion, think about some chance, do some social media. Um, if you have a podcast like this one, give it a plug on that. Um, if you comment on whatever, you know, comment about the rally. Um, it's just a disgrace that we have 28 people in the heart of our community um, who've been tortured now for over eight years. And they're, they're right here. In Melbourne, in Carlton, you know, we, we say we're one of the most progressive progressive cities on the planet. Uh, we're we're proud of that legacy. Um, historically, we're proud of it. Today, well, let's prove it. Let's 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 put it in action, and let's see as many people there as possible on the eighth of May. Uh, it's not too late to grab some posters. There are posters at Trades Hall downstairs in the, the new International Bookstop Bookshop. Um, the traditional uh, poster. Storage location. So, uh, if you if you want info about that, just go to Trade hall down the stairs on the Victoria Street entrance. Um, but most of all, be there two o'clock May the eighth, uh, and be prepared for a long running battle, because none of us are free until all of us are free. Um, uh, anything else to plug, mate? That's all I got for you, my friend. Thanks for thanks for having me on your show.
0: Thank you so much, and everyone, listen to the man. Be there May the eighth.